Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share His grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. If you have your Bibles, you can open it with me to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be getting back into our study that we began last week called Transformed. Transformed. And this is kind of the poster verse for that study. Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at Romans 12 too in a moment. As we work our way through Romans chapter 12, it is this, this extremely practical instruction from the Apostle Paul about how to live our lives as people together, as God's people, his body. Last week, we opened the series looking at Romans 12.1 and talked about bringing our whole selves to God. All of us, nothing off limits, the entirety of me to God as a living sacrifice. That's what Paul calls it. Because of the unbelievable mercy of God who made a way for us to have relationship with him again, we bring everything to him. We don't hold back from him. See, Paul spent 11 chapters of Romans building a foundation that we can build our lives on. Amen? And he's about to get really, really practical for the rest of this verse, for the rest of this chapter. I just want to uh, throw out a caution here, maybe a word of warning to you. Uh, from this point on in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 12, um, you're going to see a lot of command. A lot of command. A lot of this is going to be written in an authoritative tone. The verbs that are used are going to be using the imperative tense. Paul is saying, this is how we're to act. It's not like, maybe you might think about, you know, being hospitable to your neighbor. No, no, these are commands from the Apostle Paul. So just be on guard for that. Recognize that if we're going to journey together in the Word, sometimes it's going to have commands for us, right? Not mere suggestions. It's going to say, this is what it means to follow the Lord. And what he says this week, he says, we need to change the way we think. Change the way we think. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we want your perfect will. We want to have a relationship so deep with you where we know your heartbeat every single day. So Father, we invite you, as always this morning, to come and transform us. Lord, Speak to our hearts about our lives. Put the word as that mirror for our life that we can gaze into and see an accurate representation of our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we give you permission to come and make some changes. We give you permission to come and speak to us, whether that's about habits we have, uh, motives of our heart, Lord. We come and bring everything to you. We hold nothing back. And we pray that you would do your work in us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So the, the word that's used here at the end of this is don't be conformed to the patterns of this age, this age. And we're going to talk about this in just a moment. But before we get into what Paul kind of practically breaks down for us, I just want to look at the end of this verse, that promise that he gives to us, that last bit. We'll get into the practical, but look at what he says. He says, you'll be able to know the will of God. To test and approve what is God's perfect, pleasing will. Is there anybody who doesn't want that in their life? Right? This is like what we salivate over. Like, I just, I need to know God's will, right? See, we like to be people of action. We like to, to do things, to move with God. But how many of you guys are like me and sometimes you feel 
a bit frozen in place because in front of us there are just so many options. Anybody have that experience? Maybe not in the big things of life, maybe in the small things of life. Maybe you're in the cereal aisle and you realize there's like 24 combinations of Cheerios. Right? We call it choice paralysis. It's a real thing in 2023. We got too many options. Some of you guys, you want to watch a TV show on Netflix, and you never actually watch a TV show because you just sit there, keep scrolling through your options. Come on, you know you've been there before. We experience it in the dumb things of life, but we also kind of experience that in the big things of life too. Choice paralysis. As believers, we talk about it with language like this. We just say, I just, I don't want to miss out on God's will for me. I don't want to go down a direction and find out that that wasn't God's intention for me. I remember when I graduated from college, I graduated from a Bible college, and um, I had friends who graduated, and they were waiting for the heavens to open and the audible voice of God to tell him the next move for them. I'm like, you know you have debt, right? You need to do something. <laughs> like, right? They didn't want to move forward at all until they were absolutely certain of the will of God in that next moment of their life. And don't, don't hear me wrong, you know, there are times where we need to wait on God. Waiting on God is an important practice in scripture. Not moving out of, out of step with him is something. Uh, but also, I don't know if you've ever tried to steer a boat that's not in motion. It doesn't work, right? Rudder's not functional until you've got some progress happening. Sometimes we need to step out on the journey and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he reveals his will to us. In life, we experience this. And Paul says this to us. He says, you can know the will of God. You can know the will of God. What a promise, amen? What a promise for us. You don't have to be frozen in place. God actually wants to reveal to you his will for you. You can know his revealed will in the word of God. And you can know his specific will for moments that you're facing, questions that you have. Now, I don't know anyone who hasn't needed that word of clarity or direction from the Lord from time to time. If you're here today and you're like, no, I'm actually doing pretty well. Well, just give it about five minutes and you're going to need that again, right? We all need that on an ongoing basis. So here's the key, according to Paul. He says, you want to know the will of God. You want to be able to live in God's will. He says, change your thinking. Change the way that you think. Renew your mind. Let the Spirit of God transform you. Remember from last week, we talked about paradigms, patterns of thinking, ways of seeing the world and interpreting the world around us that, that really dictate our actions. Paul says, we've got to change our paradigm. We've got to change the way we think. We want not man's ways of thinking, we want God's ways of thinking, right? We want God's thoughts. One of my favorite stories is the story of Johannes Kepler, who discovered the elliptical orbits of the solar system. And immediately after this revelation, the story goes, he just fell on his knees and just said, God, I'm thinking your thoughts back to you. We want God's thoughts to determine our actions. We want his will to be the center of our lives. And we can have that, Paul says. He says, we've got to change the way we think. And there's two parts to that that we're going to get into today. The first is this. Don't be conformed. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. And again, we say the patterns of this world, and we have things that go off in our mind about that. Literally, the word in the Greek is don't be conformed to this age. And that's significant. That's significant. Modern translations include the word patterns here. 
the patterns of this world, the patterns of this age. That doesn't exist in the Greek text, but it absolutely is implied, and it's a good way of looking at things, because I believe every generation has patterns that the world tries to put on us, right? Every generation has patterns that we contend with from the world around us, but they're all rooted in the same spiritual bondage of the age. You know, we might not face the same struggles, same temptations, and the same pressures as those in the 1600s or the early church in the, you know, the 10s and the 20s and 30s. But the word of God tells us the same spirit is active behind those struggles and ours. Do you believe that? Do you believe that today? The Bible refers to our enemy, and we have a real enemy, Scripture tells us, and refers to him as the God of this age. The God of this age. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 says that he has set out to blind us from the beaming light of the gospel. You have an enemy. The God of this age wants to keep you blind from the gospel so that you do not realize exactly what Christ has done for you. He has a pattern. Our enemy has a pattern for us to follow that will draw our hearts away from the gospel, will draw our hearts away from God. And he's been at it for a long time, right? He's been working with human beings for a long time, shaping our patterns of thought and actions contrary to God's will. I love what Dallas Willard says about the moment that the serpent tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, the enemy did not come at Adam and Eve with a stick. He came at them with an idea. He came at them with an idea, a philosophy, a paradigm, a way of seeing the world. So before we get started here, we got to realize what Paul's wanting us to do. He wants us to wake up to the reality that our enemy is active, using ideas, images, movements, and more to conform us to the patterns of this age. Do you know that you have an active enemy? They will use absolutely everything to try and steer you away from the reality God wants for your life. That's number one. So he challenges us with this. He says, hey, don't go with the flow. Don't go with the flow. Don't absentmindedly get caught up in this. Guard your hearts. Guard your minds. Don't get lulled to sleep and find out you got swept away in something. You know, there's a title of a book from, I think it was the 1960s, by Neil Postman, Amusing Ourselves to Death. And he draws on the fact that we love to be amused, right? But the actual definition of being amused is stop thinking. We stop thinking. We stop guarding our minds, taking captive thoughts. So don't go with the flow, says Paul. Recognize there's a battle for your mind. Do you know that there's a battle for your mind? Can we talk about this in church? I mean, we said we're going to get practical. This is about as practical as we can go, right? There is a battle for your attention, for your affections. Like, we even talk about these things that we carry around all day. We call it the attention economy. Your eyeballs are the product that's being sold. There is a battle for your mind, for your attention. So here's my question today. What's your role in that battle? What's your role in that battle? Are you an active participant or are you passive? Is it happening to you? Or are you standing and taking authority, responsibility? What's your role in the battle? 
And last month, several of us got to go to a, a marriage conference with Dave and Ann Wilson. And I, I love what Dave tells men oftentimes. He, he, he's been doing this over 30 years. He tells men that the first key to biblical manhood is this. Resist passivity. Don't be passive. Don't be apathetic. Don't just let it happen to you. Stand up and be active in the battle. You know, you and I are responsible for our thought life. The Bible never, ever, ever paints a picture of us as like, oh, it just comes in and out and we don't have any role in that. We're responsible for our thought life. It doesn't happen to us. We can and we must be active in vetting, in proofing, in controlling our minds. Amen? Now, I recognize this. You know, sometimes you can have thoughts forced on you. Some of you guys have people who are like actively forcing their thoughts on you all the time. Sometimes thoughts can be forced on us. That can happen. Often, thoughts can just be accepted absentmindedly, right? Especially when we're in consumer mode. I just want to watch a TV show, and we don't realize those subtle things that it's programming us with, right? Hello, Disney. Sorry, is that too much? Oof. Or, and I believe this is what the word calls us to, we can intentionally cultivate our thoughts. We can intentionally cultivate our thoughts. Like Craig Rochelle says, your life will flow in the direction of your strongest thoughts. All of your life will chase after those things that you spend the most time and the most energy pondering over, obsessing over sometimes. That's where your life is headed. Like we said last week, we all get crazy thoughts sometimes. We're all human beings. We get crazy thoughts from harebrained thoughts to horrible thoughts. Get those things where it's like, where did that come from? Anybody else or is that just me? All right. Some brave people in here. Look, we're going to get crazy thoughts sometimes. It's not the fact that we have those thoughts. It's what we do with those thoughts that matters. It's what we do when those thoughts come that matter. How many of you guys know that we get in some negative patterns of thinking sometimes? Anybody else get down on themselves? Anybody else kind of tend to implode? Anybody else kind of catastrophize things? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And like, before you know it, five minutes later, you're in a dark place. We get some negative patterns of thought sometimes. It's not the fact that those thoughts happen. You know, we have an enemy who actually suggests those things to us. But it's what we do with those thoughts that matter. We're responsible for our thinking. Our thinking is powerful. And the Bible paints a picture of us as believers, as people who refuse to get swept up absentmindedly in the narratives of our day because their foundation is in God alone. That's who we're called to be. Amen? So can I just say, we need to let the Holy Spirit teach us this again. We need to let him whisper to our hearts about our thinking, about our patterns, we need to let him reshape us this way again because there are more narratives out there than ever, right? Inside and outside the church, there are patterns of thinking out there. There are things demanding our allegiance and people are getting swept away all over the place. We need to be active in this. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Let's not go with the flow, amen? Let's resolve here and now to no longer absentmindedly conform to the ways that our world wants to teach us. Let's seek the Lord. Let's seek his character, his ways. Let's let him be our teacher in any and every situation and let him renew us from the inside out. Amen? Amen. So let's get practical about this. I want to just give some practical keys to not get swept up 
to not get carried away. Two verses that I want to give you today. And they're about not conforming to the patterns of this age. And to be honest, if you read the New Testament, you're going to find about a million more verses because Paul talks about this all day long, right? But I'm going to give you these two because I love them and you're stuck with me and they're favorites of mine. I encourage you, whip out your Bible and underline them, highlight them, tweet about them, stick them on your mirror, whatever you need to do to keep them, memorize them. Can we memorize scripture anymore? Do we even do memorization anymore? Are we just so lost because we have it all the time, right? We need to memorize scripture, and these are two really good ones. Here you go. Colossians 2.8 says this, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world and not on Christ. This is Paul again, and what he's saying is this. See to it. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. Be on guard. Don't let anyone take you captive. Don't let them steal your heart away. Don't let them steal your affections or draw your gaze away from him. See to it. So what are they using to take you captive then? Philosophies, ideas, thoughts, talk, images, whatever it is. What are they using to take you captive? Hollow and deceptive philosophy, Paul calls it. But the key word is this, depend, depend. These philosophies the world uses are hollow and deceptive. They don't pay off because they don't depend on Christ. They depend on something else. They depend on shallow foundations, elemental spiritual forces, what we can taste and touch and see. You know, I was reading a book this week and it says basically all sin starts in the sensual and the sexual. Because it all starts with, I want more of this. I want to feel this way. I want to know this. It starts with the sensual and the sexual, sexual, these elemental spiritual forces of our world. The philosophies of our world are based on things that, you know, if I can't see it, if I can't touch it, if I can't control it, then I don't want anything to do with it. And they're not based on Christ. So Paul encourages us, and he says this, anybody who would bring a philosophy, a way of thinking, an idea, a movement, a cause, whatever it may be to you, you need to get to the root of it. What does it depend on? It does it depend on Christ. Is it aimed to glorify Christ? Is it aligned with the character and the ways of God or not? Who does it depend on? Who funds that idea, that philosophy, that movement? Maybe we need to do some homework when we come across these things which sound really nice to us. You know, the NLT version of this calls it high-sounding nonsense. Sounds great. It appeals to us. Sounds wonderful. But it's based on crap. (laughs) What does it depend on? What's the end game here? And if it's not lining up with Christ, Paul's like, pull the ripcord, get out of there. Don't do that. Don't go there. You might get on the train at this station and find yourself 10 stops down the road realizing you didn't get off and you're into all kinds of weird stuff now. That's how it works in our world. I like what Eugene Peterson put in the message paraphrase of Paul here. He says, you don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of a universe that doesn't have him. That's verse number one, Colossians 2.8. Verse number two takes it and goes even further. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, three through five. 
Paul says this, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against what? The knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what we call a power verse. We need that kind of reminder, amen? We need that reminder. You see, we don't get taken captive, like Colossians tells us. No, we take things captive. We're not on the defense all the time because our offense is better. We need to realize this battle that we're in, the battle of our mind, we got weapons too. Amen? We're not powerless against the ways of the enemy. We have weapons too, and they're not like the weapons of the world. This is where Christians sometimes get themselves in trouble because they're trying to fight the world with the world's weapons. We have weapons that are not like the weapons of the world. They don't depend on our power. They don't depend on our intellectual acumen or ability to argue with people. They depend on Christ. They depend on Christ alone. So, Paul says, we demolish. All right, we're going to get weird. Turn to your neighbor and say, demolish. We demolish anything and everything that would limit us and pull us away from what? Knowing God. Knowing him. Isn't that what we're talking about and follow together this month? Knowing God? It's almost like God plans these things, right? The end game here is a deep personal relationship with God. And there are things in our world our enemy will limit that at every turn. So we don't just kind of let it happen. We demolish anything that would stand against us moving toward him every day. We shut down those patterns that the world's taught us to think in. We shut down any argument or idea that does not align with the character, the ways, and the word of God. Amen? See, I love this kind of stuff. And Laura will tell you, this is like my, this is like my bread and butter as I study the word. I'm always drawn back to this stuff. And here's why. This is where we see, in our world, the best of modern science catching up with what the Bible teaches. Catching up with what the Bible teaches and confirming the ways of God. Taking captive thoughts and holding them accountable. We've got some practitioners, some therapists, and psychologists in the room today. And in psychology and therapy circles, this is the celebrated process known as CBT. Not to be confused with CBD. Two different things. Two things. Is that too far? Very different experience you will have, okay? CBT. Cognitive behavioral therapy. We've talked about it before. It's this recognition that we have thoughts and patterns of thoughts that drive the way we feel. Drive how we feel. And that our feelings inform and shape our beliefs and our values, which drive our actions in turn, and so on. And so, we need, like CBT steals from the B-I-B-L-E, to interrupt that process. At the place of our thinking. We interrupt that process. We don't just let it mindlessly happen and then it develops feelings and weird beliefs, and then we start acting strange. No, no, no. We interrupt it at the place of our thinking. That's what Paul calls us to here in Romans 12, 2. We hold our thoughts accountable to a standard. And don't you know there is no better standard to hold anything accountable to than Christ himself? Hallelujah. Paul says, recognize the spirit of the age. 
see the enemy activity clearly and resist it by giving him no access here. None. So we choose to examine the thoughts that we have. Where they come from. Why do I react that way whenever I see that happening? Where did I learn to assume those things or about those people? We take captive our thoughts. We hold them accountable, not to what's maybe been passed on to us by our workplace, by our parents, by whatever along the way, but to Scripture. We've all learned a bunch of weird patterns of thinking, and Paul says it's time to start arresting those things and letting the Holy Spirit teach us a new way to think. We hold them accountable to Scripture. We examine the philosophies, we look at what they depend on, and we demolish anything that holds us back from God. Amen? And when we refuse to conform to the patterns of this world, to blindly pay, play along with the thinking of our world. You know what that does in us? You know, it may be uncomfortable for us at first. It may even cost us something. Like, you no longer enjoy those jokes with the guys. People start looking at you funny. Why are you being you know, stuck up about things, right? It may cost us something along the way. That's a benign example. There are a lot worse examples than that. It may cost you. It may get uncomfortable. It may ruffle some feathers at first. But what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to awaken us to that hunger for the real thing, for God's best, for reality according to the one who created us for himself. And he promises that he will reveal it to us step by step as we keep letting him transform us, keep letting him change us. He promises to exchange, you know, the life that we want to build for ourselves so often and the life that this age tells us will make you feel good and bring you fulfillment for the life he created us for. The life of the spirit of intimately walking with him every single day. And that's not an equal exchange, is it? That is scandalously weighted in your favor and for your good. He longs to transform us, to awaken our souls and become our ultimate source of delight. So it's one thing to stop doing something and it's another thing to start something new, right? It's okay to say, okay, don't think like that anymore, but it's something different to then adopt new patterns of thinking. Paul says, don't be conformed, be transformed. And don't miss out on that second part. You know, a lot of uh, previous church history has really, really battered people with, hey, don't be conformed, but hasn't given them the tools to be transformed or encouraged them to pursue that. Now, this reminds me of the difference between popular New Agey meditation that people steal from the ancient Near East, right? And the Bible's idea of meditation. We meditate. You know, these popular Eastern philosophies say, empty yourself. Empty yourself. Get rid of all your thoughts. Just be emptied. The Bible says that's a dangerous pattern. You empty yourself, the enemy's going to fill you. <laughs> so you don't just empty yourself. You need to be filled is what the word says. You need to fill yourself up with more of God through his word and seeking his presence. You know, and he promises us that he'll just fill us up if we'll seek him. One, it's one thing to be emptied. It's another thing to be filled. Paul says we need to stop going with the flow. We need to remove the old absent-minded habits, but take up new habits that the Spirit wants to teach us. Being transformed. Because our God is a God of transformation, amen? He's a God of transformation, We've been looking at different stories in the word this week in our follow together journey. And everywhere you look in scripture, God is transforming people, isn't he? I mean, those who encounter God in the scriptures, they're never the same again. 
He had a new name for Abraham and Jacob. He had a new destiny for Moses. He had a new family and inheritance for Ruth. You get to the New Testament, you see everywhere Jesus goes, people are being transformed all over the place. Right? I, I used to be blind, but now I can see. I used to be dead, and now I'm alive again. I used to be a tax collector, a zealot, a fisherman. Now I'm a, a follower of the king. God is in the business of transformation. Amen? We have to recognize that his ultimate goal in this is to transform you and me into new people, new creations. He's not interested in leaving us in our current condition. And I say that recognizing that some of you guys have journeyed with God a lot longer than I have and seen so much more transformation than I have in your lives, but God's still not interested in leaving you where you are today. He wants to take us from strength to strength, from glory to glory until we arrive in his presence. Amen? He wants to make us new creations in Christ Jesus, fully sons and daughters who know the heartbeat of our Father. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? By the renewing of your mind. Like, is it like that scene from the Matrix where Morpheus is like, free your mind, and then jumps over a building? Does it involve psychedelics? What does it mean to renew our minds? The world has ways of renewing your minds. CBD? No. (laughs) Sorry. What renews our minds? Our minds are renewed when we focus our thoughts and our attentions on God. Sounds simple. In our world, it's harder to do than ever, right? When we focus our attention, our thoughts on God. Last week, we looked at Lamentations 3. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Oh, those mercies of God are unending, unparalleled. They're new every morning for me. What is Jeremiah doing in Lamentations 3? He's giving us a pattern. We fix our minds on him. This I call to mind. I remind myself, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We set our minds and hearts on things above. In Colossians 3, Paul kind of expands on what it means to renew your mind to the Colossian church. He says, you know, you've taken off the old man with its practices, that age-bound self that operates according to the world. You've taken that off and put it aside And you've put on the new one being renewed every day in knowledge, in intimate knowledge of your creator. In other words, the renewal of our mind and hearts happens more and more as we come to him to intimately know the one who created us and is drawing us to himself. That's what renews our minds. Since God in his mercy and kindness has made a way for us to be in relationship with him, our minds and hearts are renewed when we with all of our hearts, say, yes, I'm coming after you. That's my number one desire. I'm going to fix my mind on you. Paul says, be transformed. I like the contrast that we get in English language, transformed and conformed, right? It's a nice contrast in the English language, but it's even better in the Greek. Conformed is the word syskematizo. Man, I'm going to butcher some words here, so be ready. Syskematizo. It means to align with a scheme, Align with a pattern. The whole focus of this word is about having an outward pattern impressed upon us to shape our lives. It's different, different entirely than what he invites us to. The word for transformed is metamorpho. Metamorpho. Maybe you hear that and you think metamorphosis. 
and your mind's already thinking of caterpillars and butterflies from grade school, like me, that's actually a really good image for what God wants to do in our lives, for what he's inviting us to. The idea of this second word, be transformed, the command that Paul gives us is this. It's about being changed, not having something impressed upon us from the outside, but being transformed from the inside out because of an intimate connection that we have with a catalyst, the catalyst of God himself. See, this age wants to impress upon us a pattern, a mold for our lives from the outside. It wants us to just blindly fall in line. But God wants to transform us from the inside out in deep, loving, intimate relationship with himself every day. Something happens in a cocoon with a caterpillar, right? Things get kind of like melted down. It becomes a new creation entirely. The old patterns are left behind. God wants to do the same thing with us, right? He wants to give us beauty for ashes. He wants to transform us to be new creations in Christ Jesus. He wants to surround us with his spirit and pull us close and reshape us and then set us free as brand new, beautiful creations. From the inside out, he wants to change us. So whether in the Greek or in English, the constant thing about Paul's contrast here between being conformed and being transformed is the same. Formation. We're being formed. No matter what, we're all being changed every day. It's just about what's changing us, right? So Paul issues the challenge in this amazing, power-packed verse, Romans 12, 2. He says, what's going to form your life? You're responsible. There's ways of arresting the bad and, and starting the good, but what are you going to allow to be the transforming, the change agent in your life? As we mentioned last week, this is familiar language for Paul, who was so versed in the, the Old Testament scriptures. From the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah, they spoke as God is this potter and we're the clay. You might have noticed that's our image for this series, transformed as a potter at the wheel shaping the clay. I want to close with this thought, and I want to invite us to worship the king together. Amen? Jeremiah 18, God says to Jeremiah, go and hang out at the potter's house for a minute. I want you to see something. Jeremiah says, I saw the potter working at the wheel, but the pot that he had in his hands was marred. It was ruined. It wasn't right. So he took it and reformed it and made it a new creation. Now, see, the cool thing about this passage for me as I pondered over it is we're not told in the original language, we're not told why the pot is messed up. We're not told like, oh, the potter did something to it or whatever, or that something happened to it and it got messed up so he's grabbed it again and is reworking it. We're not told what happened to it. I think that's beautiful. Because in this passage, the focus isn't on what ruined the pot, the focus is on what's happening to the pot now. In that moment, for whatever reason, the clay was not what the potter created it to be. For whatever reason, but that's not what matters. What matters is whose hands are holding that pot now. The pot was marred, but it was still in his hands. It was still in his hands, the only hands that could reshape it, that could beautify it, that can make it fit for purpose and transform it into something lovely again. And God is still in the business of transformation, amen? But we have to put our lives in his hands. Paul's asking us today, whose hands is your life in? 
Who is controlling the way you think, the way you process the world around you? And what are we going to do about it? God's in the business of transformation, so we set ourselves up to resist the temptation to go with the flow. We fight against anything that sets itself up against knowing him with our lives. We allow his spirit to transform us, and we seek that with all of our hearts. Amen? You know, when we do that, there may be some rough edges in our lives that get smoothed out as the potter reworks us on the wheel. Anybody got some rough edges that God's working on them about? Okay, good. If you don't, you can stand up here next week and talk. There's tribe talk coming your way. I feel it. Look, when we let the Holy Spirit get a hold of our lives, he is not going to leave us where we are. He wants to transform us every day. There may be rough edges. There may be some things we have to let him gently and lovingly remove because he will not let anything hold us back from God's best. But once again, it's not an equal exchange. When we come to him and we give him all our mess, and he gives us his perfection instead. That's not an equal exchange. He wants to lead you into a life that you can't imagine if you'll put your life in his hands. If you'll refuse to be conformed, but you'll let him transform you. He longs for you to come close to him like this so he can show you what you were really made for every day. I want to reflect for a moment. And I want to pray over you. And then we're going to enter worship again. We're going to celebrate what our God has done for us. We're going to remind ourselves that he's our only foundation. We're going to declare that to him together. Amen? But if you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me, I want to reflect on this. I just want to invite you to find yourself in this picture that Paul paints. Now, maybe you're here today and you find yourself going with the flow a lot. You find yourself kind of um, for whatever reason, maybe, maybe you're tired, maybe whatever, you just find yourself, I need a break, and you just kind of get swept away. You don't want to confront some of the hard things or maybe even patterns you know are wrong in your life. I want to encourage you again today to reject passivity. Don't settle for apathy. The enemy has a plan for your life, but God wants to set you free. Don't shrink back. Don't settle for what's comfortable. Keep arresting those thought patterns. Keep battling in your mind. Keep taking every thought captive and holding it accountable to Christ. Let nothing stop you from pursuing him with everything you've got. Maybe you're here and you've been diligent in that way. You've been trying with the best of your strength and the best of your might to take captive every thought to keep your, your mind clear of the junk of the world. But that's an exhausting thing. That's exhausting for any of us. The world throws so much junk at us that it's, it's like a full-time job just to try and figure out the root and what it depends on, right? Maybe you're here and you're just like, I'm tired of that. I've been trying to figure it out. Remember, don't just be emptied of those things the world's throwing at you. Be filled. Be filled with more of his character, more of his ways, more of his word in your life. I want to just simply invite you, if, if you're here and you're trying to walk this out, but it's exhausting, invite him today to transform you from the inside out. Invite the Holy Spirit to do something new in your life. Ask him, God, I need a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit today. 
I need a fresh touch because I can't just keep taking captive thoughts on my own. I need what's fresh and new from your hand. Even now, even as we go back into worship, I just invite you to seek him. Say, God, I need more of you. God, I need a fresh touch from you. I need you to fill me again and transform me from the inside out. Lastly, you may be here and you're in that place where you're saying, I need the will of God. I got things I need direction about. I'm looking for clarity in this moment. I just want to say, if you're here and that's you, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I hope you'll let myself or one of the prayer team who will be at the sides as we worship, I hope you let somebody just pray with you about that. But before I even know any specifics, before I can pray with you, I already know something about this moment in your life. The greater miracle, you may need a miracle right now, but the greatest miracle has already been accomplished. The one that set you free so that you can have a personal relationship with him. The miracle of Christ and his infinite mercy stepping out of heaven and walking amongst us so that we can come to him every time we need answers. We can come to a father who's a good father, like Kyle reminded us. He's a good father. He knows what we need, and he loves to give it to us, but it's found in the place of relationship with him. You know why? Because he is the answer. He is the answer to every situation we will face. So I want to invite you again, whether you've you know, had some times of passivity, whether you're just exhausted, whether you need clarity in your life, whatever it is, as we get ready to worship, hold those things in your heart and bring them to the one place where they can be absolutely transformed. Amen? Would you stand with me? We're going to worship in just a moment. But I want to invite you to just pray. Pray in your hearts. Maybe bow your heads and begin to speak to the Lord. Invite Him in your own words. Holy Spirit, come and shape my life again. Come and transform me from the inside out. As a potter shapes the clay, I give you all of me. Help me not to fall in line with the ways of this world. Teach me your ways. Put your spirit within me in a brand new way, Lord. See, no matter what you've been through in life, no matter what cracks may be there in the clay, all that matters is whose hands are shaping your life. So put it back in his hands. I want to read to you to lead us back into worship, kind of a benediction from Titus chapter 3. Paul has this poem he reads to them. He says this, When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things that we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Christ Jesus our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. It's not about what we've done or haven't done. It's all about him, amen? Let's bring everything into worship with us now and commit our lives into his hands, amen? Let's worship. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.